following is a continuation in our series looking at the lies that Satan tells us. We hope you enjoy. to be talking about hell tonight. So, it's going to be a fun one. But before we do that, let me pray for us, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we ask that you would be with us and help us to learn and understand. And Father, we ask as we continue to look at these lies that Satan tells that you would help us to see them as they are, as they are lies, and help us to look to your scriptures to know what is true. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so I want to start by just reading a short story here. There are several farmers that were chatting away on a winter afternoon, and they started to get into a heated discussion about religion. And the oldest of the farmers had been sitting quietly listening when the group turned to him and said, Well, who's right? Which one of these religions is the right one? And one of them said, Well, you know, there's three ways to get here from the field. You can go right over the big hill. It's a shorter but powerful climb. You can go to the east side of the hill. It's not too far, but the road is rough. Or you can go around the west side of the hill, which is the longest, but it's the easiest. And then the oldest farmer said, but you know what? When you get to the marketplace, they don't ask you how you got there. They just ask you how good your crops are, which is kind of a, an illustration of what this thing called universalism is. Have you all ever heard of universalism? Universalism is essentially this religious belief that all human beings will eventually get to heaven no matter how they live. And that sounds good on paper, it sounds good on our ears, but if it's true, then we really have nothing to really live for. If it were true, that's something that Satan wants to try and convince us of, and it's just flat out not true. The Bible does not speak of universalism being something that is remotely close to being truth, but Satan wants us to believe it. One writer says this of universalism. He says that Satan loves universalism because he gets to dress up his lies in the clothes of the Father's greatest attribute, which is his divine mercy. So what universalism says is that all people will go to heaven, but the Bible says something very differently. So we're going to look at this lie tonight, and we're going to look at this truth, that God's divine mercy that's found in Christ is for all who believe and who are called unto him. So we're going to start by looking at those that are in Christ who get to go to heaven. Then we're going to look at those not in Christ who don't get to go to heaven. So we're going to start in John chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 35 to 40. And this is Jesus' I am the bread of life statement. He says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that have seen me and yet do not believe, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I will come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given to me, but raise it up on the last day. 
For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I will raise Him on that last day. So what Jesus is doing here is He's making it very clear that there's one way to heaven. Okay, so He uses this illustration of bread, and if you look just above that passage, it's right after He feeds the 5,000. So these people have seen this incredible, powerful miracle of Jesus. But they're still just seeking out physical bread. They don't understand what he's actually doing. He makes this bold statement that he is the bread of life. And what he's saying here is that all that come to him are never going to go hungry. This is a picture of what he does in his salvation. All that the Father gives to him are his. And they'll never be cast out. This is the Father's will that Jesus is living out. This is why in verse 40 he says... Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. So what this means is that those that live with Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they're going to inherit eternal life, just like Romans 6.23 tells us that for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Life in Jesus has a reward. It has a gift. And this Reward and gift is that we get to live with him for eternity. Jesus says that if we look upon him and believe in him, we get that. Notice here and nowhere else in the Bible does he ever say that there are other ways to get there. There's only one way. So, to say that there's multiple ways to get to heaven flies in the face of what Jesus and the scriptures say. So I want to continue in that same chapter, looking at verses 41 to 48. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. So when Jesus tells them these things, when he says that no one comes to the Father unless the Father draws him, he's actually using some really, really cool language here. When he says that that the Father draws him, he's using the same language, the same words that someone would use when describing water coming up from a well. Yes, all that come to Jesus are saved, but only those that are sent to Jesus by the Father can be saved. So he uses this picture of the Father drawing his people up, like drawing water up from a well. Have you guys ever seen water come out of a well by itself? No, okay, water doesn't come up from a well by itself. It has to be drawn. And that's exactly the picture that we see here. When Jesus says the Father is going to draw them to himself. When the Father draws people to himself through Jesus, he gives them eternal life. John also tells us in John 14, 1-6, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? 
If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself where I am and may be also. You know the way where I'm going. Jesus is talking to his disciples here. And he goes on to further say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. When he says that, he's repeating the very language that we just read from chapter 6. That no one can come to Jesus. No one can have eternal life. No one can avoid the punishment of hell except by the grace of Jesus. And he elaborates on what he says when he says he's going to raise those people up on the last day. He's going to prepare a place for them and he's, as he brings them into glory. So those that follow Christ, I mean, this is very straightforward. You all know this, but those who follow Christ get eternal life. But if, if we downplay the importance of hell, then we tend to miss out on the beauty of what God is doing. Because not everybody is going to be blessed to be able to go and be with God in heaven forever. Uh, hell is a very real thing. And if we believe this lie that Satan tries to tell us that, you know, everyone's just going to get to heaven, it doesn't really matter. That's just not super helpful for us. So I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 13. This is the parable of the net and Jesus often uses parables to teach about the kingdom of God, and this is what he says here. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, the men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and they'll separate evil from the righteous and they will throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So again, Jesus is talking about what's going to happen when he ushers in his new kingdom. Uh, at the end of the age, when the sheep are separated from the goats, this is exactly what he's talking about. When the net is drawn in, this picture of the, this net being drawn in, the catch is separated into two different categories, good and bad. Notice that there's a stark difference between the two. There's not a good and then just a less good. No, no, it's, it's good and bad. It's very clear. He continues this illustration by applying it to eternity. In verse 49, he says, So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and will separate evil from the righteous. Again, there's a stark difference between these two. There's righteous and then there's evil. There's no righteous and less righteous. It's righteous and evil. And the destination for the two are very, very clear. Okay, The destination for evil is clearly laid out in that they're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. Uh, this is the place that he says will have weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is a direct contrast to heaven where Jesus tells us in Revelation 21, he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. There shall be no mourning, no crying, nor pain. For the former things have passed away. But for those who don't trust in Christ, they will go to that place of, of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Looking at Revelation chapter 20, Jesus says this. And this is the judgment before the, the throne. 
Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Both dead and Hades gave up the dead who were who were in them. And they were judged, each of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is kind of a difficult passage for us to wrap our heads around. But if you think about it, it's actually fairly straightforward. This book that's open, it contains the record of all the works of people during their lifetimes. And if one's name is not found in the book of life, if no record exists of someone believing the gospel of Christ before they die, their judgment is going to be that of their works. They're going to be judged based on what they have done and what they have not done. Uh, this is what Jesus meant when he said in John chapter 8. He said, to, therefore, again to them, I go away and you shall seek me and die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. I said, therefore, to you, you shall die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. So it's very clear that hell is a real place. It's not something that, you know, is just supposed to scare us into believing in Jesus. It's not something that we're just supposed to fear, just so our behavior is in control. Hell is a very real thing. And Satan wants us to think that it's just this, oh, it's, it's just this idea, right? Uh, but it's not. It's more than that. Individuals at the final judgment, as we see in this passage in Revelation 20, they're there because they have rejected Jesus and his gift of salvation. And according to the scriptures, human works will never satisfy the righteousness of God. A person can do all the good works, like, you can be like Mother Teresa and still not get to go to heaven because it's not based on your good works. It's based on Jesus' good works and his only. One of my favorite C.S. Lewis books is The Screwtape Letters. In The Screwtape Letters, it's this letter between these two demons. They're kind of writing back and forth, like talking about how they torment individuals, torment humans. And... C.S. Lewis writes in one of his chapters, this is the elder demon to the, the lesser demon. He says, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. It's the gentle slope, a soft underfooting, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. See, what Satan wants to do is he wants to, to lull us into thinking that eternity is not that big a deal. So he doesn't want us to have this like grand picture of what hell is. He wants to just, he wants us to downplay it to the point where he wants us to think that it even doesn't exist. Like everyone just gets to go to heaven. And that's super unhelpful. It's a poor view of eternity. 
if you can convince us that hell either doesn't exist or it's just some sort of fairy tale, then there's really nothing for you to be afraid of and really no reason for you to live faithfully to Jesus. And that's why it's a lie. Because Jesus wants us to live faithfully unto him. We should have a healthy understanding of what happens when we die. Now, we don't need to overplay it. We don't need to overplay hell and just talk about fire and brimstone all the time because I don't think that's helpful either. But we need to have a good understanding of where we're going and where we're not going. The whole lie of universalism aims to use God's grace in a way that it was never meant to be used. Yes, we believe in grace. Yes, we trust in what Jesus has done. But as we have already studied in the series, that's not a license to live however we want. It doesn't just mean that, you know, we'll just end up in heaven so we can just do whatever we want now. Because eternity is real. Either eternity is separated from God in that second death that we saw in Revelation 20, or eternal life in Jesus. So, again, we need to have a healthy view of what hell is, a healthy view of what life on earth is and how that affects the rest of eternity. What we do now is important, right? The way that we live is important, not because our works gain us access to heaven, but it shows where we're going. It shows the fruit of our lives, and it shows shows others and communicates to our own hearts that, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I trust in him. And it's going to change my life now. It's going to change my life for eternity. So again, we need to have a healthy view of what eternity looks like. That means that we need to not downplay the importance of hell. Because without the grace of God, we would be destined for hell. So let's spend some time talking about that in our small groups. But before we do that, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for calling us, Lord. We thank you that you draw us like you draw that water up from a well. I pray that you would work in us as we discuss, work in us as we go through some questions that kind of help direct this topic for us tonight. I thank you for each individual that has come tonight, that you would bless them and just bless us as we spend some time in small groups. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WYM.